Hello, St. Lukers, and welcome to Your Week with St. Luke's, your weekly podcast that gives you deeper insight into scripture, particularly the scripture we will be preaching on each week in worship. I'm Pastor Melissa, and I am excited uh, to wrap up this series uh, at the end of Advent with you. We're continuing in this Advent season, exploring the presence with a CE of Christmas, the withness God offers us throughout our lives, and now looking at what it means to bring joy to all the world. Last week, we looked at discovering peace for our present, and this week, we are looking at that joy for the future. We're in Isaiah 61 this week, which is part of this third section of Isaiah. This is actually in between our first week's text and our last week's text, but um, a few, just a few chapters prior to our first week's. So let's explore together. We'll be in Isaiah 61. We'll do verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to jump over to verses 8 through 11. The Lord God's Spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for the captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness, planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their wage and make with them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people blessed by the Lord. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory wrapped me in a robe of righteousness like a bridegroom in a priestly crown and like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, and as a garden grows its seeds, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. Now, the first thing you might notice is that you probably recognize those first few verses, but you probably don't think of them being the prophet's words. They do originate here in Isaiah, though. But we most often hear them as quoted by Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. It's when he's in the temple and reading from the scroll of Isaiah to declare what his mission is here on earth. Now, we can connect Jesus' choice of a reading from post-exilic Isaiah to his even more emphatic declaration of the kingdom and of the restoration of humanity through his life, teaching, death, and resurrection. Now, we know that now. We know where all of this ends up going. We know the rest of the story. But let's, for the moment, pull ourselves back to the Israelites' story and to their wrestling with the already and not yet of their own restoration and renewal. Now, just as a reminder, this community has returned to Judah, 
but has not yet rebuilt the temple. And they're still struggling with the monumental task before them. The expectations named in 1st and 2nd Isaiah, the vision for a restored and prosperous future, it's still not something they're seeing in their lived experience yet. They are not feeling the joy of salvation anymore. And part of the reason is that within this community, there were power plays happening in the absence of a clear path forward. Society was not just or equitable People were being taken advantage of because others saw a moment of opportunity. The prophet was speaking to a community in internal internal turmoil. One commentary put it this way, the prophet had been anointed and sent to a nation divided, where leaders played to privilege. Justice was for sale and iniquity persisted. He bore good news to a religious community where acrimony rather than accord won the day, where a rigid sectarianism rather than an expansive embrace of the other prevailed. And so throughout this passage, we see a response to that context with themes of salvation and of mission. We see themes of rebuilding, as we would expect, and we hear all of this in the voice of someone or multiple someones, maybe even a whole community, claiming the role of servant. The ability to interpret this text uh, communally or individually may have been intentional on the author's part, and we see the benefit of that ambiguity in the repetition of this text by Jesus and our reading of it now. We again, in this story, see callbacks to imagery that the readers would have recognized. But throughout the passage, those same images are used in ways that are different than what they would have remembered. It's what they would, not what they would have known in their previous tradition. And so the prophet, just by, by declaring all of this, shows the potential for old images to be re-envisioned for new purposes. For example, the former model of the Jubilee year is invoked. It's the year of the Lord's favor in this text. Now, this was a Jewish law first named in Leviticus in which every 50 years, all land was supposed to be returned to the ancestral owners. It's a kind of reset year that ensured that equity prevailed in the community. So no one became generationally impoverished. The captives named were referring to debt slaves who had been victims of financial misfortune and had to sell their ancestral lands to pay their debts and had to resort to paying those debts with their lives and labor. The prophet in the midst of this re- reframes the idea of liberty, of freedom. Previously, that image had been more connected to the exodus from Egypt and claiming of the promised land. But the the prophet takes it beyond freedom from physical bondage, now identifying that God's promise of freedom extends to reconfiguring the socioeconomic realities of the community. Because that actually is how you ensure that all people are free. This is why the phrase is paired with uh, the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord's vindication. This was a biblical concept that shows up in uh, prophets Amos and Joel as well. Um, And it referred to the day in which God's spirit would make a definitive inbreaking, probably something like the tearing open of the heavens we heard about a couple of weeks ago. In this moment, justice and equity would be fully realized, where all forms of servitude and grief and mourning would be ended. 
It's what, again, we would now refer to as the kingdom of God. And this transformation of the community, just in case anyone tried to over-spiritualize it, to mean it was a metaphorical transformation and reorganization of socioeconomic reality, the prophet makes sure to say that other nations will look upon and admire the restored community. Now, if you hadn't read the other parts of this prophecy, this would seem like it was a call narrative. But this isn't actually a call narrative. The calling has already been put upon the people by Isaiah, and even by the prophet Jeremiah, who declared a prosperous future with hope even in the midst of exile. This passage emphasizes a call already underway that must be tended to. These words from the prophet remind the people who they are and whose they are, which defines then what they are called to do. It's a mission statement for the kingdom of God, which is actually not personal piety or prosperous living. This, in, in this state, the, the prophet defines the community's mission by the movement of the spirit in the real life, everyday community they were living in. God's salvation was not a future hope. It was a current reality. It was a quality of life that they could achieve that would mirror God's desires for humanity that had been expressed since the beginning of time. And this text reminds them that they don't have to wait for the complete redemption of the world or even the redemption of just their city in order to experience the joy of salvific living. And then if they do that, it will be tangible. It will be visible and noticed by other communities. God's salvation is something that can be touched and felt and tasted. And mission is like it. It isn't something that's an extension of the community, like sending money or missionaries. It's an essential quality of the people of God to exist for the sake of the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the imprisoned, and the mournful. And while at Advent, we tell stories of angels coming and giving grand revelations. The challenge for us is not to wait for that moment ourselves. It's to give of ourselves so deeply that we wouldn't be in the least surprised if an angel showed up to give us divine directions. Here's how one theologian put it. We do not wait for an overbearing angel's visit or the gift of ecstatic speech. We do not discount our abilities. Instead, we use our energies and efforts in each moment to bring good news and bind up the broken. Our mission demands every inch and instant of our very best selves. This life is rich in irony. <laughs> As we give ourselves up to God's direction, we discover life in all its depth and color. As we embrace the joy of serving God and neighbor, our personal and communal mission, we discover the essence of our existence. We find ourselves as we stretch beyond ourselves. We flourish in the flow, in the wild dance with the Spirit. So these are our questions of Advent. How is the advent of God trying to come into your life or world? And what do you need to do to prepare for God's advent? What do you need to change in order to allow God's transformation to take place in you? So you can be an agent of joy to all the world. Because when we live in the joy of God's salvation here and now, 
systems change and justice prevails. When we live in the joy of God's salvation here and now, we find a new understanding of hope and peace for ourselves. And when we live in the joy of God's salvation now, other people notice. It becomes tangible and real here and now. Can't wait to worship with you this Christmas as we celebrate and name the joy of the world. I'll see you Sunday.